It's great to be hosting another interview on this evidence-based nursing podcast. I'm Roberta Heal. I'm a professor at Laurentian University in Ontario, Canada, and I'm also an associate editor of Evidence-Based Nursing. It is my great pleasure to welcome Dr. Shaminder Singh from the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. We will be discussing a study titled Attempted Suicide Short Intervention Program Influences Coping Among Patients with a History of Attempted Suicide. It was published in the Journal of Affective Disorders in 2019. So welcome, Dr. Singh. Would you begin by telling us about your career and your current position? Hello, Dr. Heal, and thank you for inviting me to do this podcast. My name is Shaminder Singh. I'm a registered nurse in a mental health environment and a postdoctoral scholar at the Department of Community Health Sciences, um, Cummings School of Medicine, University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. Previously, I worked um, as a school psychologist in India and as a special education teacher in, in the U.S. Um, Dr. Turing Chaudhary, who um, I co-authored this commentary with, um, we are part of a, an international team of health professionals and researchers. We are co-developing a public health model to increase physical activity at the population level to reduce um, the risk of chronic illnesses and managing them. You have quite comprehensive and broad areas of research interest, so this, I think, will be very interesting. Um, the commentary you wrote was on a study that evaluated the impact of short interventions directed to those who had attempted suicide with the aim of developing coping strategies. What is your interest in this topic? Um, as a mental health professional and public health researcher, I am interested in risk reduction and health promotion. And Dr. Gizin Millar and her colleagues, um, short intervention therapy is promising to reduce the risk of suicide reattempts. So that um, I, I got interested into that. And when I got invited for the, to write this commentary, I was thrilled because um, this is a very innovative therapy which we can use in clinical setting and even in hospital settings too. So very relevant for my work. Great. So what is the background to the issue outlined in the study? Dr. Healy, um, suicide is a persistent public health problem globally, and the rates are not declining. It's prevalent everywhere in all age groups and genders and cultures. The WHO estimates nearly 800,000 people die from suicide each year. Literature shows that a large number of people who complete suicide have a history of suicide attempt. A risk of completed suicide is huge for a survival for first time attempt. It is like 4,200 times more than general population. And the risk remains at the same level for years and decades. Because of this long-term risk, one or two therapy sessions are not sufficient. And often uh, when we see uh, people in, in hospital units, they stay there for weeks and when they get discharged, the risk still remains. So there are some long-term suicide prevention programs for people with attempted suicide, most based on cognitive behavior principles, and they might have 12 to 16 sessions in 18 to 24 months. And they seem to work for those who attend those sessions. But the problem is 
nearly half of the clients tend to drop out within a few weeks of the treatment in many of such programs. So it sounds like long-term follow-up helps reduce suicidal reattempts. So there is a need of a short intervention that can be delivered in few sessions so that more people can comply to the treatment at the same time taking advantage of the positive effect of long-term follow-up. And that is what um, Dr. Gizin Miller and her colleagues did exactly. They developed a short intervention programs, three sessions, and then they follow up for two years through letters. And um, it shows promising um, effect. Interesting. So can you give a bit more detail about what the researchers investigated in this study? So they gave uh, this therapy, short therapy, a name, Attempted Suicide Short Intervention Program, ASSIP. It's a brief suicide-specific approach to assess, identify, maladaptive coping strategies and promote alternative healthy coping mechanisms for people at the risk of suicide reattempt. See, the model of suicide prevention is in transition right now. Traditionally, a majority of clinicians tend to see suicide as a symptom of a psychiatric disorder such as depression or schizophrenia. But suicide is increasingly regarded as a dysfunctional, dysfunctional and distorted strategy aimed to resolve personal problems, so which is very different from that traditional approach, which we think that suicide is a symptom of a psychiatric disorder, which implies that if you cannot treat that psychiatric disorder completely, you cannot treat the suicide. But the new approach, um, Dr. Jason Millard and her colleagues noted, people are misunderstood. Their mental health diagnosis may not be the main issue. Their major issue might be whatever they are experiencing at the time, like experiences of uh, psychological pain, hopelessness, or loss of self-esteem, or the skills they lack, such as a lack of alternative thinking or coping skill. So this is a very different approach, and uh, we this is trending um, in uh, mental health right now. So the researchers support appropriate treatment of mental disorders, but they see suicide as an action more than a symptom of a disorder. They see it as an attempt to solve something unbearable in the client's own world. In other words, suicide might be a goal-directed action. So what happens when you get out of the framework of traditional model? You invite the clients to explore and explain their major concerns and how suicide action might fit in their problem-solving approach. So this therapy is patient-oriented and collaborative approach. This approach of suicide intervention evokes a lot of trust in clients' ability to narrate and what happened and how they reached to the action of self-harm. So the ASSIP is a brief intervention of suicide reduction and prevention. It provides therapeutic environment for people with attempted suicide to build self-understanding, to develop insight into their personal coping styles, and to arise with alternative problem-solving strategies. 
So let me briefly explain what it what this therapy is. The first session of the ASSIP begins with exploring a video recording. So basically they record in the first session the story of the suicide attempt by interviewing the client. The video recording is played in the second session in the presence of both the therapist and the client. The goal is to build insight and facilitate a new perspective of life goals, the suicidal crisis and the coping strategies of the individual. In the third session, what happens, the client's strength and vulnerability are recognized and a safe strategy is developed and documented for potential future suicide crisis. So basically they reconstruct a healthy narrative for future situations. And then the therapist follow up consistently through personalized letters to the client for two years in three to six months intervals to reinforce the reconstructed narrative. So the research has investigated the outcomes of this short intervention for suicide prevention. And what conclusions were made by the authors of the original study? Um, so this is an innovative manual-based brief therapeutic intervention to prevent suicide reattempts with significant success in the efficacy of the program. In their survival analysis, the ASSIP group shown 83% reduction in risk of suicide reattempts when followed for two years. So the results suggest that ASSIP group shown 6% more problem-focused coping and 11% less dysfunctional coping. But no difference was found on emotional-focused coping. So there are huge uh, reduction in the risk of suicide reattempt. However, because they only tested through the RCT, which requires a hypothesis, so that's kind of a focused um, research on whatever the factors they choose. And the researchers chose problem-solving coping and dysfunctional coping and emotional coping. And they found some improvement in problem-solving coping and dysfunctional coping, not in emotional-focused coping. But reduction is huge in the risk of suicide reattempt. So given that, what are the implications for practice in these findings? This therapy is a major leap in the risk reduction and health promotion of um, suicide behavior. This is a person-oriented and collaborative approach, which is the central center of healthcare research and practice at this time. And we begin to recognize the power of individuals and promote that in their health and wellness. I think the application of this therapy is in community practice as well as in inpatient setting is huge. I work as a registered nurse in a mental health setting and I notice that after a suicidal attempt, patients sometimes stay in hospital units for weeks before they are deemed safe to be discharged. And many of them can take advantage of this therapy while they are still recovering and can be followed up after their discharge. So I think special certifications can be developed for nurses to practice this therapy 
or a modification of it in hospital or community settings. But we need more research for that because originally this therapy is developed for the community settings. And originally it is developed for uh, psychologists and psychiatrists. But I think the implication for nurses is, is equally good. You mentioned research, and I'm just wondering what you think the next steps for research would be. So such short therapy interventions are very useful for compliance and cost perspective, but one approach may not fit all. Other approaches exist, such as Fleshman's psychoeducation-based treatment, in which they provide one session only, and extensive follow-ups. But we need more therapies like ASSIP and variations of it that may work for different groups of people. We know a well-designed short therapy works, but we do not know how it works. RCTs have their, their limitations because you have to first have a hypothesis and test that hypothesis. So we need alternative types of um, evaluation studies that can, um, most of these short therapies are, are based on RCT and even those are not replicated enough. So we need more research. Um, while the ASSIP is somewhat controlled as in it is a manual-based intervention, it is primarily designed for community setting, which makes identification of all the mediating variables challenging because therapy works in a social context. And, and RCT focuses on therapy but we also need to know what is the context in which the therapy works and in what way. Particularly, um, evaluation methods such as realist evaluation of the interventions might explain much more about the therapy, for whom it works or not, in what context it works best. What are the underlying mechanisms? Researchers need to explore more than testing the hypothesis. Hypothesizing and testing what works or not work is unfeasible for a complex community setting intervention as therapists applying the ASSIP will likely to modify it during the treatment to meet the client's individual needs. So realist evaluation can eliminate an in-depth understanding of what components of the intervention program work for whom and in what therapeutic setting which can be tested using RCTs at a larger scale after. So we need to explore more factors in order to build data-driven hypotheses and then test those hypotheses based on RCTs. Um, we will know a lot more about how this therapy works because 83% of reduction of risk is huge, but only 6% increase in coping strategies doesn't explain that. I think you've really demonstrated the potential for ASSIP. So I'm just wondering if listeners can take one thing away from this podcast, what do you think it should be? Um, depending on who you are, if a, a customer or a client or a patient may talk to their therapist or whoever the healthcare provider is to consider the option of this therapy, if this becomes under their scope of practice, the practitioners who use it with their clients, I would encourage them to share their insights. Maybe write about it in scholarly platforms or blogs or whatever medium is feasible for them. Often 
there is a disconnection between practitioners and researchers. So a, a transdisciplinary collaboration may help expedite research and practice both. We need to know a lot more about this therapy. So we need to research and connect with practitioners. Great. Thank you very much. And I want to especially thank Dr. Singh for his very insightful discussion about a brief approach to suicide intervention. To read his commentary, to access EBN podcasts and other commentaries, research articles, blogs, and much more, be sure to check out ebn.bmj.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at EBN Nursing BMJ and on Facebook at BMJ for Nursing. Thank you. Thank you.